Okay. Um, yeah, as Todd said, I'm Britt Harmon. Um, my family is sitting right there in the row I just came out of. Um, we've got Jody, my wife, my beautiful wife Jody's here. Um, Reagan, Morgan, and Lincoln is somewhere having the time of his life with a bunch of kids his age. Um, uh, we live in Guatemala, and in conversations I've had this week, people are like, Guatemala, um, where is that? You know, so I don't have maps today. <laughs> but if Mexico's here, Guatemala's right below it. It's pretty easy. Um, down in Central America. So, um, yeah, I just want to say thank you so much, first of all, Todd, for uh, trusting me <laughs> to come up and talk to your your sheep here, your flock, you know? Okay, all right, yeah. <laughs> make, a note, make a list, you know? Um, but, uh, yeah, I just want to thank your church because um, your, number one, your generosity with our family is, is awesome. And... Um, I'm sure that knowing Todd that um, that generosity comes along with prayers and it comes along with a lot of other things and um, we didn't get to come to Pennsylvania last year and we really missed it Um, it's one of our it's one of the highlights of when we come back to the states is getting to come and visit this community here and the community that you guys have here is is awesome Um, so uh yeah, thank you guys so much. Um, yeah, we, when we moved to Guatemala in 2012, and when we moved, we had seven kids. Uh, Lincoln, our youngest, was born in Guatemala. Um, now there's just three kids in our house, and we've got five kids that live... They're scattered all over the place. Um, we have... Um, uh, a daughter that lives in Indiana, where we're from. We have a son who lives in Gulf Shores, Alabama. We have two sons and their wives, and one grandson that lives in Wyoming. And we have um, a daughter that lives in the Canary Islands. So we're spread all over the place. And you know, I think one of the hardest things about being a missionary really is just being separated from people. You know, the people that you love, your family, your mom and your dad. And um, so that's one thing that we really love about coming back to places like here. And, you know, when, we, when it's been two years since you've been here, like in my mind, time freezes here, you know, <laughs> until I come back. But... Um, Things change and new people come, and um, it's awesome. So uh, I'm just going to talk a little bit about what uh, what we do in Guatemala and why we're there, and um, hopefully we can come up with some challenges for us here as well. So um, the name of our ministry is limitless limitless ministries and uh it comes from the name comes from Ephesians 3:20 which says that um God can do infinitely more than we can ask or imagine and that's where that comes from 
But we have a website. It's limitlessministries.org. It's just all spelled normal. Um, no hyphens or anything like that. It's easy. Um, but if you go to Limitless Ministries, I'm going to try to not use my glasses this morning. Um, you can see our purpose there. Like it's the first thing that comes up. And our purpose of Limitless Ministries is, it says Limitless Ministries exists simply to share the love of God and the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ with the world. We're working to equip and train people in Guatemala who desire to share this gospel and the love of Christ with their local community. Through this, we hope to see growing communities mature of mature gospel believers who live out the biblical commands to love God, love their neighbors, and make disciples. So everything that we do in Guatemala is focused on that. It's focused on training. It's focused on making disciples. It's focused on bringing people to a place where they can bring honor to God because that's really what the purpose of our life is. All of us is to bring honor to God. So we do that in several different ways. And I mean, obviously the the main way that we do that is discipleship. And some people, when they do discipleship, like I have a friend um, who um, we get together and we talk sometimes and he's also a missionary in Guatemala and he's very, he's very structured with everything that he does. And I'm not structured in everything that I do. Okay. If, if he was here, he would have PowerPoint all and, you know, maps and all that kind of stuff. But, um, so we just talk about the different ways that we do discipleship and, you know, he, um, sets up like weekly meetings with people and he gives them homework and, and all of this kind of stuff. And, um, when we do discipleship and it's not just me, it's my wife does it also. Um, it's basically we invite people into our lives and we kind of invite ourselves into their lives. And it's not something that you have to be a pastor or a missionary to do. Um, I feel like every single one of us should be discipling. It's one of the commands that we have from Jesus, one of the few commands that we have from Jesus. Um, but I think sometimes we get intimidated because we think it has to look a certain way. But it doesn't have to look a certain way. It should look different for every person because we're all unique individuals that have unique talents and um just a unique place in life and a unique place in other people's lives. So um, my first challenge for every single one of us here today is think of who are you discipling? And if you're not, think of who could you be discipling? Um, And it doesn't have to be hard. Start by, you know, inviting somebody over to your house, Um, inviting somebody out for a lunch or something like that. And I also would encourage you to get out of your age bracket. (laughs) Um, The community that Jody and I live in, in Antigua, um, we're pretty much the oldest people that we know. Um, Most of the the missionary community there is um, young adults, you know, 20 to 30s, 20s to 30s is pretty much where everybody is. But um, I so much love 
interacting with the younger people because I feel like it keeps me young for one thing, but their energy and their perspective is different than mine. And just because I have a perspective doesn't mean it's the only perspective. And I think sometimes we get, we get in these boxes where we have, um, you know, like if somebody doesn't agree with me on everything, then I don't want to talk to them. But, um, I have to say that most of the people that we hang out with are quite a bit more politically liberal than I am. <laughs> but that's okay because we can have conversations about it and, and I can learn from them and they can learn from me. But kind of the way discipleship works, and I can just give you some examples. Um, we have eight kids. Uh, my wife knows a lot about um, being pregnant birthing children. <laughs> um, we know a lot about raising children, that kind of stuff. So um, right now in our group of, of like our sphere of influence with, um, really it's mostly missionaries that are part of this group, I think. Um, my wife has gotten together with, I don't know, five or six, I don't know how many um, women who are expecting children right now. And they just get together on a Saturday or a Friday or whatever day they can get, they can all get together and they talk about the things that they're going through and they talk about, um, you know, what they can expect coming up and they can talk about, um, how to still be, you know, a good mom or a good wife going through that. And at the same time she's doing that, I have relationships with all of their husbands. So, um, I can talk to them about uh, how to be, you know, a good husband while your wife is going through that kind of stuff and different ways that they can grow through this period in their life. So, you know, this is one example of discipleship. We do. Um, I, I just love the opportunities that we have in Guatemala, especially with. I would say most of the people that we disciple are um, serving in one way or another in Guatemala. And a lot of them are, uh, like a lot of the couples that we deal with, are um, a girl from the United States has gone down there to be a missionary and she met a Guatemalan guy that she likes and they end up getting married and they end up living down there. But that those cultural differences that come up, um, I mean, being married is sometimes hard, you know? I think that everybody here who's married would agree with me on that. Um, but then when you throw in differences like um, big cultural differences, it makes it even harder. And so uh, we just help bridge those gaps sometimes. We help people work through them because we've been through, we've been married 30 years and you just learn things in 30 years. Just like some of you have probably been married 50 years. And there's a thing or two that I could still learn about being a good husband and, and that kind of stuff. So um, I had a thought go through my mind just a second ago and then it went somewhere else. But, um, oh yeah, like with the cultural differences, okay? Um, in Guatemalan culture... Uh, I'm going to say this delicately, but 
men are not always faithful. Okay? So, in these, um, these couples that we disciple, the Guatemalan guys, I would say that at least half of them, maybe more, don't even know their dad. Their dad has never been in their life. And so they've never had a, a father figure. They've never had somebody who shows them think, simple things like, you know, how do you take care of your car? You know, how do you treat your wife? You don't do it like your dad did, you know? So um, we just have a lot, a lot of opportunities in the area of discipleship. And that kind of is where most of our other ministry comes from right now. So we have another part of our, our ministry is with teaching. Um, so we do some Bible studies. We do some in English. We do some in Spanish. And um, there's a, a Guatemalan guy that um, I've been cycling, and uh, he asked me to uh, come to his house and do a Bible study, which from somebody whose goal is to raise up people like that when somebody comes and says, hey, can you come to my house and do a Bible study so that I can invite my family and my neighbors? That's one of the best things that you can possibly hear. Um, So we teach a Bible study at his house in Spanish. And when I say his house, his house is um, probably a 12 by 12 room on top of a roof that was just built because there was space. So um, he opens that up to us and he gives us coffee. And from his super poorness um, financially, um, he blesses us with, you know, just things that that are a struggle for him to provide. And, you know, it just means so much for me. And I want to help him, but at the same time, I don't want to take that away from him, you know. But... Um, he's a guy that we get. His name's Freddie. Um, and Freddie is, he's about my age. Um, he didn't know his dad. Um, he's just like everybody else in Guatemala. He struggled to find work pretty much his whole life. Um, and so we give him some work uh, making some leather things that we resell in the States. And... Um, He's so appreciative of that. And I don't always have work for him, but I try to give him as much work as I can. And um, he he's taken that money, and he's putting himself through college because he wants to become a lawyer. And I just think that's an awesome thing, you know. But um, so we do teaching there. We have other people that um, that we're discipling, who we do Bible studies with also. Um, so the teaching and the discipling kind of go together for us. They don't have to go together for you if, if, if that's not the way that you want to do it, but it does for us. Um, the, third, the third area of our ministry right now is um, a thing called Prayer Mountain. And um, it's a new thing that, I mean, new in the last year or so, new since last time I was here. Um, but um, Prayer Mountain is 
uh, some friends of ours, a, a young couple. She's from the United States. He's from Guatemala. Um, he knows his dad. His dad is an awesome guy. His dad's a pastor down in Guatemala. Um, but he, uh, God put on their heart, I don't know, maybe two years ago, three years ago, uh, to build a place where people could come and pray. And they do this out of their house right now. They have um, people that come to their house and pray like every Saturday or every Friday, just whenever. And they just open up their house. They have like worship music playing and um, people can come and go and pray. And it's just a it's a it's a cool thing that they do. But in Guatemala, when we're talking about Guatemalan pastors, um, they don't have a big most of them like when you're out in the when you're in the city. There's churches like this. But when you're out in the villages and stuff like that, there's no extra money that anybody has. So the pastors, they don't receive a salary. Um, So they just have uh, their normal work that they have to do. But on top of their normal work that they have to do, they have to... Um, prepare a sermon or you know whatever other things that a pastor does and one thing that our friend his name's Isaac um, has told us several times is that uh, the idea of prayer is not um, it's like not that important of a thing for a lot of those pastors and he wants it to be and it needs to be and we're going to talk a bit a little bit more about why it needs to be but um, so, uh, when we read the Gospels, uh, Jesus would be ministering to people, and he would um, go away to a desolate place to pray, some place where he could be alone, or he would go to the mountain. Oftentimes, it says he went to the mountain, so that's where our name for Prayer Mountain came up. But um, last year, when we were heading to the states. Isaac and his wife Kelsey had slipped us a little note and they said read this when you have some spare time and um, so we were halfway through our trip I think and we were looking through our luggage and we found it we opened it up and we read it and they they were asking us to uh, like officially be a part of their ministry of prayer mountain and so um, I think I don't know if at the time if they had property yet or not but um, Isaac is a, he's just one of these guys that doesn't know a stranger. <laughs> and so he was, um, he was up working in this village and, um, he had stopped to pray and he was praying and he wanted to take a nap. So he had like one of those little hammocks that you can string up and he strung up this hammock between two trees. Then it was along the side of a little path and, um, some guy came along the path and Isaac was in his hammock and he said, hey, do you know uh, any land for sale around here? And the guy said, hey, I have, um, I know a guy, I work for a guy who might have some land for sale. So um, it turns out that through that interaction, we were able to purchase 23 acres on top of a mountain. And it's, it's a very beautiful piece of property and I'm excited for um some of you at least, to come down and, and see it and help us develop it into um, what our vision for Prayer Mountain is. And what we want Prayer Mountain to be is um, we want to have cabins, you know, different sized cabins out there where people can come and they can stay and they can withdraw from, you know, all of the 
the distractions that happen in life. And um, they can just spend time praying, worshiping God, um, listening to God, that kind of stuff. And um, we want to have, you know, like a little area for for music, like a little amphitheater area. We want to have maybe 10 or 15 cabins, different sizes. We want to have a, a cafeteria so that when people are there, they can, you know, have food to eat. We want to have um, a larger building that we call like a house of prayer where people can come in and they can pray there. And um, when you're there, it's hard not to be in awe of God because when, you, when you're looking out where the house of prayer is going to be, um, there's a big volcano over here to the right. There's a big volcano here right in front of you. And you can see mountain ridge after mountain ridge after mountain ridge as you look. And it's just a, it's a beautiful place to go and, and see. And um, We're excited about somebody coming down and, and helping us build on that. Um, right now we have a bathroom. And we have uh, a slab poured for a building that we're going to build for a guardian, like a, a watchman, to be there all the time. Um, we have uh, like a little parking area that we're working on right now. And um, that's pretty, pretty much about all that's there right now. We have water. That was a big, that was a great big thing that we just accomplished not too long ago. Uh, we don't have any electricity. We have to work on that. So there's a lot of work to be done there. Um, but I want to get back to the importance of prayer, okay? Because I think this is something that we can all apply to our lives. And we have, uh, at least I have this, okay? I don't know if everybody has this or not. But um, we try to build up this facade of we're the perfect Christian, okay? And everybody knows that we're not. <laughs> and so knowing that that's part of who I am, I try extra hard not to put that up. But, um, I mean, when we look at the disciples, I mean, we were watching, I know it's not, you know, King James Version or anything like that, but we're watching The Chosen at Eric's house this week. And, you know, just watching the disciples, you know, we have, in, in, in Guatemala, the disciples are on all these churches and they have halos around their head and, you know, they're all perfect old men. <laughs> and um, it, It's interesting to watch The Chosen because you just, you realize that they were human beings just like the rest of us. And um, they had their shortcomings. And, you know, if you're, if you're familiar with the book of Romans, you know, Romans chapter 7 is one of my favorite chapters. I don't understand it, but, <laughs> you know, Paul is, is, why do I do what I don't want to do? And I have this fighting within me and, and this. And that's the Apostle Paul. So if he has that, then we all have it. And so I know that every single one of us can work harder on our prayer life, can spend more time praying, can, can make that prayer time more more useful, more fruitful. Um, I was listening to a podcast from this pastor that I like to listen to. His name is Todd. Um, and it was, it was back in April or May, and it was, um, uh, the title was 
a vertical something in a horizontal world. I don't remember exactly what the title was. You remember that one? Kind of. Um, it was at the end of 1 Samuel, okay? And he was talking about David, okay? David, a man after God's own heart, okay? And this was a period in David's life when Saul was hunting him down and he was living with the Philistines. And, um, but David, in like these chapters of First Samuel, there's like no mention of God at all that comes from David. And um, uh, something that Todd brought out in that message is that David had... Um, you know, he wrote a lot of the Psalms that are in the Bible. And a lot of those Psalms, we can pinpoint like, oh, this is what was going on in David's life when he wrote this Psalm. And he said, there's no Psalms that we can pinpoint to this period in David's life. So it seems like a time in David's life when he was withdrawn from God. Okay. When he was not, um, communing with God, when he wasn't seeking God in his actions and stuff like that. One of the, I think it is the first verse of chapter 27, he talks about how um, I thought to myself, like this is David not consulting God about what he's going to do, but he's just thinking about his own self, what he's doing. And I think that in our own lives, we have, we can, we can do that a lot where we can get into a period in our lives where um, I'm just cruising along. You know, whether it's in our business or even in ministry, that can happen. Um, it can happen in, in, you know, any, any part of our lives whatsoever. So David got into this. Um, and I just, I just feel like that for all of us here, it's something that we need to pay attention to. Um, we have, uh, uh, Let's just say you own a business or you work in a business or you work at a company and you can do a lot of stuff on your own, right? We can do a lot of stuff on our own. Yeah, we can. Um, But like when I read the Bible and when I study the Bible, um, I learn best by asking questions. So one of the questions that I asked is, what I was studying for this is, um, let me find it here. Um, can we be effective for Jesus if we don't have a time of prayer, if our relationship with God isn't a priority? Can we be effective for Jesus? And so as I'm thinking about that, um, there's two answers. There's a yes answer and there's a no answer. Um, the yes answer is, God can do anything and use anything and anybody that he wants to, to accomplish his will. Okay. So we can be effective. All right. But there's also a no answer for that. Um, uh, a familiar passage of scripture for us is John chapter 15. And if you know, John chapter 15, um, it's, I'm the vine, you're the branches. And it gives us that analogy that picture that word picture um but if we go to john chapter 15 verse 5 it says i'm the vine you are the branches the one who remains in me and i in him bears much fruit because apart from me you can accomplish nothing okay can we really accomplish nothing 
because we can accomplish things. I, I tied my shoes today. <laughs> Did I do that apart from God? I didn't pray before I tied my shoes. So, is that what what he's talking about here? He's not. That's not what he's talking about. Okay, um, he's talking about apart from me, you can do nothing that counts. Okay, and those words. Um, apart from me, you can do nothing. Just echoed in my head as I was studying this. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So when David was in that period of his life where he wasn't focusing on God, he was doing things, but he was doing nothing, right? So in our lives... We do things, but we want to make sure those things are something, right? So if I'm going to work every day here in the United States, I can go to work every day and I can do nothing. But I can also go to work every day and do something that counts. Or I can have somebody come over to my house and we can do nothing. Or I can do something that counts. It's always an option to do something or to do nothing. And what's the difference between something and nothing? That difference between something and nothing is prayer. That difference between something and nothing is abiding, is remaining in Jesus. And so how do we do that? And the foundation of how we do that is with prayer. So when we're looking at these Guatemalan pastors who have a congregation, but the pastor isn't spending time in prayer. Is the congregation going to spend time in prayer? I don't think so. I'm not saying that Todd is the most spiritual person in this church, but he's the spiritual leader of this church. And probably not very many people are going to pass him in the spiritual disciplines. They're going to look at his example and they're going to do what he does. Same thing in Guatemala. These people are going to look at the example of their pastor, and they're going to do what he does, and probably not more. So, that's the main idea behind Prayer Mountain. We want these pastors to have a place where they can come, and they can spend time in prayer, they can spend time worshiping, and they can spend time hearing from God, listening to God and growing spiritually so that the things that they're doing are something, not nothing. Does that make some sense? Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know why I even make notes. I don't ever follow them. Um, Another person in the Bible, okay? I like this guy. Nebuchadnezzar, okay? Do you remember who he was? He was king of Babylon. And um, he uh, was out looking over his palace one day, and he's like, look at this thing that I have built for my glory, right? He did something big, but it was nothing, right? 
And God called him to task on that one there. And he made him eat grass like an animal for a period of time and until he came about and was doing what he was supposed to do. Um, Romans chapter 7. We'll get back to Romans chapter 7 here for a second. It says, I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see a different law in my members waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that is in my members. There is a war that's happening, right? It's not just us living on planet Earth. But there's a spiritual battle. And Satan doesn't want these Guatemalan pastors praying. He wants to keep them busy doing these some things that don't count for... I'm going to use bad grammar here. That don't count for nothing. (laughs) Because it fits in my words. But uh, that doesn't count for anything. He wants North Anvil Bible Church people busy doing something that doesn't count. He wants us doing something that is nothing. I can be as, <laughs> I can be as confusing as Paul sometimes. How about that? Um, but we always have to have that in our mind. That um, when things happen in our physical world, they have a spiritual root. And... Satan doesn't want us discipling. He doesn't want us praying. He doesn't want us teaching. And he's going to do what he can to keep that from happening. And our strongest weapon against that is prayer. Our strongest weapon against that is abiding. It's remaining in a relationship with God, with Jesus. So, um, I'm going to be way early, Todd. Um, yeah, so we're excited about our 23 acres in Guatemala, and we'd love for you guys to come down and see it someday. Um, it's not going to be just for Guatemalan pastors. That's who our focus is, but we want to open it up to really anybody who feels a need to get away. And um, we already have people meeting there who are meeting there to pray. We already have people that are... Um, tent camping there um, so that they can spend time in prayer, spend time in worship. So we're to fill that vision of Prayer Mountain now before we have the facilities that are going to make it all. We don't need that much, you know? That's the way life is. We don't have to have the things we have, but if it brings glory to God and if it makes it easier for God to be glorified by what we do, then we want to have it. So... Um, yeah, I guess we've got 10 minutes or so. Uh, uh, does anybody have any questions about what we do in Guatemala? Or about Guatemala? Or um, about me? <laughs> if not, I'm just going to turn it over to Todd and he's going to come back up here and I don't know what he's going to do. You have an extra, extra long time today between um, Sunday school and church, huh? So, thanks, bud. Thanks. Yeah.